fellow Republic Broadcasting Network listeners. Today is the 22nd of October in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2023. And you're listening to Yours Truly Myrrh. And we have a chat room, yourstrulymyrrh.chatango.com. And we have a wonderful guest with us, Dr. Paul Byrne, in a few minutes. But first, um, I want to remind everyone to please help support. And we really thank you when you do support, too. This platform, it's uh, hard to come by, you know, a free speech platform. And you'll have a wide variety of people sharing their insights and what they've discovered. And they may not all agree, but that's for the listener to decipher and to do their own research. So um, I also want to say in particular about uh, DixieRepublic.com. And um, next week, the 28th, they're having Fall for Dixie is when they have their fall thing. I think I don't know if they have rides and things like they do in July, but it's, it's a big, big shindig, big deal. And uh, you can go to their site there and check out what they have. And you can email them at ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and tell them RBN sent you. So uh, uh, at first here, I want to um, kind of congratulate the governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Saunders, who a few days ago just made entirely too much sense. It's like mama's home. <laughs> no more, No more of this playing around, children. And uh, so, Sam, if you have that first clip ready, we'll listen to that. It's great to stand up here with some of the most influential and amazing women from across our state. We are all here to say, frankly, that we've had enough. Enough trying to erase women and girls. Enough denying our biological differences from men. And enough of the craziness that is taking over our country. I've had the honor of being both the first woman and the first mother to serve as the governor of Arkansas. Before that, I was the first mother and the only the third woman to serve as the White House press secretary. Because of that, I came into this role with a few pretty unique experiences. Among them is giving birth to three amazing kids. That experience underscored to me that a woman's perspective is important and fundamentally different from a man's. Nowadays, though, only conservatives seem to be making that point. On the left, women have taken a back seat to political correctness. It's why Senator Irving and Representative Barker had to pass the Fairness in Women's Sports Act to defend our girls across the state. They're using nonsense words to erase women and girls, and more importantly, to erase our voices and our experiences. Today, we're taking a stand against woke nonsense. What frankly started as a fad among a few grad students has seeped down into corporations, the healthcare industry, and increasingly state government. It's demeaning to women, and it needs to stop. In a moment, I'll sign an executive order banning a number of all sorts of ridiculous words from state government documents. Those include words like pregnant people, laboring person, birth giver, and several other nonsense terms that have cropped up in recent years. Some on the left will accuse us of being nitpicky, that Arkansas should just lay down and accept the cultural revolution without complaint. I say it's the exact opposite. It's the left that decided that woman is a dirty word. 
It's the left that decided we needed to toss out basic biology and basic grammar along with it. I think they're just mad that conservatives are starting to fight back. And they better get ready because we're just getting started. Ah, thank you. Yeah, and in the words of my producer here, and I agree, I had to look at her closer. Oh, yeah, that's her face. She looks so much healthier than she did when she was press secretary. She just looks like she's in a lot better shape, and and she seems to be doing a good job. So kudos to her. That was on Twitter X, whatever, uh, from October 19th, so not that long ago, but I'm not sure just when when she read that and did the uh, signing. But... um. So it's kind of similar with all the words we have here about brain death and uh, a uniform code of what death is. I mean, how how just like what's a woman, you know, what's death? You know, when did we get so stupid (laughs) and to follow everything they say all the time? And um, so while we're at the clips, Sam, if you'll get that other one ready, it's a. piece in the middle of um, Real Science Radio's uh, list of brain-dead patients who've recovered, and then it talks about Dr. Byrne, but some of the ones he's talked about um, on our last show, which was July 30th, and um, and we might go back in there to hear some of them, but I'd rather just hear it from him, but first we'll hear this short couple of minutes uh, uh, introducing him. Bob, this is off the list, but do you remember that interview you had a couple years ago with the Dr. Paul Byrne, and you discussed this J. He McMath. It's a famous case of this uh, Oakland teenager who was declared brain dead. Yeah. And, you know, two years later, there's still a lot of... Yeah, this young girl, what a tragic story. I'm so thrilled that her family and this Dr. Paul Byrne, that they're fighting for her. So, Fred, you're right. That was in 2014, the interview, and he is fully qualified. He's a board-certified neonatologist and pediatrician. In fact, he was the founder of the NICU at their Children's Medical Center there in St. Louis. Yeah, so NICU, what is that? NICU, the ICU for children, neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU. And he's also the clinical professor of pediatrics at the University of Toledo, so he's no slouch. And he agrees with us that this girl is not brain dead. Yeah, in fact, he agrees with our perspective. Not only does he agree with all these accounts that they're obvious that brain dead means not dead, but he also pointed out, Fred, something fascinating, that if there is a patient on a respirator, And so they're pumping air into their lungs and they're respirating, they're breathing. He said, a dead person cannot respirate. So if you go to the morgue or you go to the cemetery. And you push a bunch of air into their body. Into their windpipe. They're not going to. Trachea. They're not going to revive. Not only that, their body won't respirate. It's not going to exhale. You could sort of force air into the lungs but the body won't respirate. The cells, respond to it. Yeah, the cells are not going to absorb the oxygen that you're forcing into a corpse. A dead body doesn't respirate. And so that's more evidence for what is obvious, that brain dead means not dead. Okay. 
Um, and so we're going to discuss, uh, in part, Uniform Determination of Death Act. That was in 1981. And uh, Dr. Byrne would like to see it updated. Um, and I told him I don't have a lot of faith in any of these agencies. It's their serving mammon. But uh, it includes the brain stem as part of this entire brain and brain death nonsense. But in our last meeting on July 30th, Dr. Burns showed where they only perform six of the tests on the brainstem out of the 14. So they're just trying to get to the organs because it's such a big business. And I want people to realize that. And like he was saying about the uniqueness, too, he said in our last visit, which reminded me, and I should have brought this up probably sooner, too, but I sent it to him now, too. Ingrid Castle had sent it to me. It's an article by Tom Rogers about our uniqueness. Uh, memory transfer animals to man. And I posted it in the chat room. And it's um, at lifesave.org slash memorytransfer.htm capital M and capital T. And if we get time, maybe Tom will call in and um, we'll discuss some of this with uh, Dr. Byrne. But if not, you know, it's a whole nother show. So, uh, Dr. Paul Byrne, are you there? Would you like to uh, start uh, telling us what you have for us? Yes, Mayor, I'm here. And thank you very much for inviting me to be on your program. The, uh, there's There are many things to talk about but uh, the introduction and the things that you have said uh, um, touch on many of them. And um, uh, the governor from, from Arkansas, uh, thank God for her. She was uh, so um, excellent as the press secretary and now as the governor and taking a stand uh, uh, for women. It's, it's really important to take a stand for uh, a woman, a female person, and that female person doesn't identify her as something different, but a person who is unique and special, uh, uh, created by God, and and able uh, uh, to be a mother. It's so special. And so, so why would they want to be like a man? We, a man can't do that, can't do those things. So why would a woman want to be like that? Well, we, we don't know the answers to those, that kind of a rhetorical question, but we do know that each and every person is unique and unrepeatable and a person, a person it, it indicates that that they are something special in relation to God, and 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 so that the person is like that, and from creation, and creation is so important on all of this, Mer, and to the audience, creation is so important because God creates, and really God creates from nothing. And God created the heaven and earth and everything in it, and he set it all in motion, and it's all reproduced except for the person. The person is the only thing that's new in creation, 
and God set it up so so that persons are created in the love between the husband and wife, and at that time, God creates the person, and we we can know that a new human person has has occurred at conception. Now, it's very important to put these words together because we get involved with discussions about conception and fertilization and when does a human person begin, and we get into other discussions about contraception and what's contraception and 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 different things like that. But just think about how special creation is, and then we can know that a new human person has begun at conception, and conception is a different word from fertilization because the the word concept brings together something that's immaterial and fertilization ha- has to do with what happens in beast and corn and yes human beings but but the uh, when the discussion comes up is when does a human life begin the human person begins with creation and we can know that person is there at at conception and you see that gets involved in other things like what is contraception they they think to do is to focus on what is con- contra creation. So if husband and wife live in such a way that they are always contra creation, that has to be contra God. And so so uh, it's important to uh, uh, to learn that they they um, uh, the, the other thing to know is and yes we will get to talking um, the the subject that that, that you so uh, and and the, so nicely inter, in, introduced will eventually get there if my children were here they would say uh, be careful if you give him a like microphone he might not ever shut up but <laughs> in any event it's so important these things about the, the beginning of life and and creation and then when we talk about the the life the life of the person is the unity of the body and the soul and the body and the soul if people have to say well i don't know anything about souls well then most every will accept that there's something spiritual about a person, uh, spiritual and physical united. And then if somebody says, oh, well, I don't know about that. How about immaterial and material? How about if we just take four times eight is 32, and, and we can do what we want, but there's something immaterial that goes on 
in identifying that. Well, there is an immaterial um, uh, presence in that first cell. We call that a conceptus. Biological term is zygote. But the first cell and the thing that's in there that we can identify as living is growth. And that growth and development, which is a power of the soul, which is a power of the life to grow and develop, grows and develop from one cell to two cells to four cells and eight and so on. In that first seven days, they, the one cell grows to a hundred cells. That growth is only there in a living person. So you mm-hmm. see, at, at, in the concept, we can know that, that the spiritual, the immaterial, the power of, of the growth is present in the physical, the physical which can be identified by the DNA. Oh, hold that thought. We're going to a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shiloji hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shiloji Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shiloji as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajit by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilajit literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilajit has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Thank you. 
Do you truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs, in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing... The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else, tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD, say too about uh, about Sarah the governor there in Arkansas and you know in the Bible it says that we will be ruled by women and children and she's doing a good job I would prefer for men to be doing those jobs those are men's jobs you know and the man is closest to God the the, uh, husband the father and that's why it's so important for these satanic people to uh, creatures whatever to eliminate that to effeminate men and and to make them feel unable to be responsible even for themselves let alone a family but it's not true so uh that's why we have to keep in touch with god all the time you know we repent to him and he forgives us and we forgive each other and we keep on going and doing the best we can do and try to reach perfection like Jesus Christ. And speaking of Jesus Christ, he was a, um, what do you call it? Zorkot, uh, a fertilized, you know, placed inside of Mary, very young Mary, who very willingly wanted to be the handmaiden. He wasn't, he was unique. He wasn't either of his earthly parents. We might think of, Mary as a surrogate mother in a way, you know, because that's uh, like Dr. Byrne is saying, we're so unique. Our DNA is unique. And, and you might even think of 
God, when he speaks things into his existence and creates, he made us in his imagining, perhaps not just his image, but how he imagined each of us to be unique. And so if you'll go ahead and tell us more about DNA, I'd appreciate it. Mer, so not your comments are so nice and so uh, right on. And the, uh, um, a distinguishing thing, a, a distinguishing part of, about um, Jesus, and uh, 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 who has two natures, God and human nature, and the human being, is that the the uh, term that we would use uh, for that first cell, that zygote, uh, uh, is a conceptus. It's a Latin word, but it identifies that first cell from not just the biological, physical, like the zygote would be, but by the unity of the spiritual and the physical that first cell would be identified as a conceptus. Yes. And Jesus can I interrupt you? Can I interrupt you just mm-hmm. one second? Hold that thought if you can there. Uh, I wanted to say, too, before we went to break, even that um, uh, that first, that meeting of the sperm and the ovum, right? They've actually photographed that. And there's light. There's photonic activity, a spark, if you will. Is that correct? Well, the term spark is there, but what, uh, what, what is there from a biological point of view is that they identify the zinc that is present in the cell to outside the cell and then electronically can make that show up as a change, a, a uh, brightness. And, and those of us that think in terms of uh, life and light and distinguish from darkness, I um, I think we might get caught into focusing on uh, uh, light being there, in there when, in fact, the person is much more than light. And whether we can identify it or, or not when that instant is, uh, um, is important, but not so as important as to realize that there was uh, um, there was a time when the person did not exist, and then there was a time when now the person begin is there, and and we can know it, and and uh, to uh, to continue with that discussion about the DNA, which we can identify the. DNA as being different in the male and different in the female in terms of the uh, uh, of the um, chromosomes. The person is different from creation. God creates the person as a man, as a male. God creates a person as a female, as a woman, and that's present at creation. And so it's important to keep that in mind, and we'll come back in a few minutes. Thank you. Yeah, we're at the bottom of the hour. We'll be back in about three minutes. Thank you. 
You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-2-KEEP-IT-TODAY. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 Carcass Drop and Lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation, but today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. 417-932-6419. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. There's um, someone put in the chat, physical death, death holds no fear for the man who is twice born. But when it comes to the birthing of new life, the woman is closest to God. I thought that was well said. And uh, Dr. Byrne, I, I know we had talked about 
maybe taking calls a second hour, but I guess some are st- starting to call in. And if you don't mind, if we can uh, kind of put a bookmark in it just for a few minutes and uh, go ahead and take a call. You don't mind, do you? I don't mind at all. I welcome the calls because I know you are as, as important as this is to mm-hmm. you and me. It's most it's very, very important to those who listen. And so I welcome the calls. And I also want to say someone else in the chat room has said, uh, uh, I was thinking this was going to organ harvesting. And I, I told them uh, we're getting there. <laughs> you know, all this is uh, why you shouldn't do it. You know, people are just uh, so accustomed now that, oh, this is what we do. Well, it's not what we do. It's a it's a ritual. It turns out to be a satanic yeah. ritual. And we have to yes, realize and, that. Yeah. And, Mur, the reason for this discussion that we've had up until now is to lay the groundwork for the specialness of the person. And we can know that person is uh, unique uh, and special right from, we can know from conception until death and the important thing about uh, uh, about the difference between life and death, life has to do with growth and development and those kind of things, uh, respiration, that's life. And then death is what the different, you know, to make it different. That's the event makes it different. And, and then the death is manifest as destruction, disintegration, and there are essentially no organs that are suitable for transplantation after death. And so, uh, yes, the distinguishing thing between life and death is important. And a person is either alive or dead. There's not any in between. So go ahead with the questions. Yeah, no, no, um, yes, no brain death, no, none of this uh, equivocation so they can have a reason to, you know, they know the blood's flowing. You know, people try to, that have been involved in this will you say, oh, well, you know, they're so damaged, they don't know. Of course, the blood's still flowing. Well, they're still alive, you know. So, and we don't know what they can feel or not feel. Um, so, and, and also with the thing I said about the, the light and the spark, and there was a big deal made out of that and I appreciate your pointing out that it's it's really not the point at all. This is this is in fact kind of invasive <laughs> to show that you know this isn't something we would see without an invasion, you know, of uh, life uh, maturing. So yes, we have uh, Kevin in Georgia on line three. Come on board, Kevin. Very good, doctor. I had a quick question for you. The um I've heard that these these jabs and maybe genetically modified food is changing our DNA. Does does that uh, lead into your conversation? Well, uh, it does to a certain degree, and and uh, in the sense that the uh, with the injection, with the injections have been really with. Uh, uh, RNA and and the entrance into the DNA is through the messenger RNA and that's a modified that is what ha- has been in the injection but theoretically it's supposed to be just that but the DNA is there 
And yes, the we we know that some effect has been in that, and it's so important in terms of what happens with offspring, what happens with uh, women losing their fertility, uh, uh, altered um, uh, menstrual periods, and and the like. And so the uh, the injections, uh, and that's a much better term to use than some other things, the injections or the jabs that were done for COVID, certainly no child should have ever gotten that COVID vaccine. And, and, uh, and so, uh, um, and I really doubt that anybody else should have either, but we should not have been doing that to the children and they still do it. Okay, now you see that's another subject. Let, uh, let, let's get back to uh, uh, the creation of the person and life is a continuum from conception until death and, and uh, uh, preservation of that life ha- has to, uh, ha- has to uh, continue and that involves respiration. And yes, and I was going to start to tell you about a patient that I was participating in the care of the patient in the, the, the last few days. And yesterday morning at 8 o'clock, they took his organs. They took his organs. And it was so sad, so sad, because a young man, 21 years old, who overdosed on drugs. I don't know any details of it, except that I do know they identified fentanyl, and I was told three other drugs, uh, and and I was not given the names of them, but they might not even have any idea what that is. But here's a person who overdoses on fentanyl. Uh, he didn't stop breathing, but he had decreased breathing. His heart never stop, decreased breathing, gets into the medical system. And yes, the medical system does provide a ventilator. And that's so important to distinguish uh, uh, between a ventilator and a respirator. uh, And the machine that we use is a ventilator. The ventilator only delivers air with oxygen. That's all it does. Respiration is the oxygen in and carbon dioxide out, and that happens only in the living person. And so the ventilator can deliver the air, but then the respiration was going on in this young man. So he had, uh, his color was good. He had a beating heart. He had circulation. He digested food. He put out urine and, and, He made a great big mistake, which turned out to be suicidal because he signed an organ donor card. An organ donor card is suicidal. The people are not given any information. They have no idea that when the organs are taken, they have a beating heart and circulation. And then another thing that's so important uh, besides learning from this uh, um, this presentation is not to sign up to be an organ donor. That's the most important thing. Uh, but a, another thing to learn, as in this young man, 
once you reach the age of majority, then no longer does your mother uh, or your father speak for you. And once it gets into the system, the laws are set up so that if someone has signed an organ donor card, there is no way to override it in spite of how much the mother and father and aunt and everybody uh, and eventually attorney gets involved. There's no way to stop it because the laws are all set up to get your organs, not to protect your life. And and so so and when it goes on as in as it was in this young man, it was so sad to know what happened to him. He he was there, a living person, and the system said he was brain dead and made him dead bed from made him use you know use that term brain dead, which means you're alive. Everybody who's called brain dead. Is alive. If you were dead, they just call you dead. But but he was there, and there was no way to stop them. And and the and of course, from the time they have the declaration of brain death, or from really from the time they get admitted to the hospital, because as soon as someone is admitted to the hospital and they're on a ventilator and unconscious. The organ procurement organization is notified that there can be organs available soon, and they get involved sometimes behind the scenes, so you don't know. But eventually, they're on the the the, the scenes because they have to get permission from somebody. But this young man already signed an organ donor card, and that was the permission, and you can't stop it. So it's so important that people uh, uh, learn about these things. And my own self, I didn't start out to be something that might be interpreted as just being against organ transplantation. I started out as a neonatologist, having to know these things about early life so I could treat sick little babies and understanding about DNA and the like, and then Joseph, a baby who was born very prematurely and on a ventilator and for quite some time, and a brainwave test was done and it was interpreted as consistent with cerebral death. So death was written on Joseph's chart. He was not dead. I continued to treat him. It was suggested to stop treating him, as they said in other places, they would stop. You have to know that was in 1975 before organs were quite so uh, uh, so uh, thought of like they are now. In fact, is they didn't take organs from infants at that time. Suggested to stop treating him, I continued to treat him. When he went to school, he got good, tra- good grades. He participated in sports. He eventually married and has three children. But because of Joseph, my focus shifted from just neonatology, although it's still there, to what happens in this thing called brain death. And, and, and it, the development of brain death is very uh, similar to what we had happen with the COVID. 
in the COVID thing, you heard words like data, and you heard words like science. Brain death is not based on any kind of science. Brain death, when they invented brain death in 1968, they had no science studies on dogs or cats or rats, no studies at all. They had no patient data. They just invented it. Why did they invent it? Because they had already done a heart transplant in Brooklyn, New York. They cut the beating heart out of a three-day-old baby who had a problem with his brain and transplanted it into an 18-day-old baby who had a problem with, uh, with her heart. And at the end of their operations, which took, took hours, both babies were dead. It was illegal. It was immoral. And so what did they do? That was in December of 1967. In January of 1968, they set up a committee at Harvard to invent brain death so that they could do these things and make them legal, and and that's how it got started. And my own study, uh, I identified with, uh, uh, you know, I identified that there was no science behind uh, uh, brain death, and at that time, I... I started to work on this. We published an article in JAMA in, 19, in the Journal of the American Medical Association in 1979 in, in opposition to uh, brain death, and we've continued uh, since that time. And here, here we are today discussing this thing and a difference between life and death. And during life, it's a living Substance. The living substance is a unity of the body and soul. The living substance is a physical, spiritual unity, is an immaterial, material unity. And death is different. That unity is gone, and it gets manifest as destruction. And, and yes, when there is that destruction, there is a lack of functioning, but what they have done in brain death is they have observed an absence of functioning of the brain, and then it's only the functions that someone determines that are some human being determines what's relevant and to pay attention to, and they don't even know that the brain is destroyed, but that person has an absence of functioning, an absence of function, of the brain, and then they make that death. It's a great big fallacy. Uh, it's a great big lie that brain death is, and the people need to learn about it. And yes, as we prepared somewhat with some communication with Murr for this program, I said that it's important for the audience to learn about the law that that's involved with the determination of uh, death and how in recent years they're trying to change the law. It's already a bad law. The Uniform Determination of Death Act is what it's called, and it's essentially that in all 50 states, the Determination of Death Act, and, and it gives 
two ways to be dead, and and one of them is based on cessation of function of the brain. The other one is based on cessation of respiratory and circulatory functions. Neither of them are based on what would be considered uh, a death in terms of destruction. So neither of them have that, and and uh, and there's either one or the other. And if you're determined, like this young man was, determined to be brain dead based on an absence of functioning of his brain and absence of a problem a problem with his brain when they then took him to the operating room while this while he's like that and incidentally when they cut on them to take the organs the heart rate goes up the blood pressure goes up and and of course they give them anesthetic um uh, trying to make sure that these reactions don't happen, but they would never happen in a corpse. And and so once they cut his organs out, then he fulfilled the other set of criteria for uh, um, for the determination of death act. So uh, uh, he, he, was he dead twice, or what <laughs> is this all about? And, well, Doctor Byrne, and if I can just cut in here for, for a second. Uh, you told us before, too, that the brain, when it's damaged like that, the body takes care of itself. You will have minimal activity in the brain because it's healing. So it will be very quiet, is how you put it. Yes, it's very quiet. And, and Bert, Bert, you brought out such a very important part in terms of the healing because part of this misleading of the world is to focus on pain and yes doc, doctors do relieve pain but the fo- focus is on pain so that pain is changed from something that that is unique in each person over to a, a number and when we're in in the situation of a medical situation they want to know what number is it. Is it a four or is it a six? And, well, it depends on and, who you are, right? <laughs> It'll be different for each person. It depends but on also, who we are. Yeah, when you and said then, about the anesthesia, too, I just wanted to add, don't they give them paralyzing drugs before even anesthesia? You know, yes, so they, they can't move. Them yeah. So they can't move. And, and, uh, and, and so, so that's going on. But I want to make the point, Murr, about healing, because you brought up healing, and I want to tie it together with pain. Mm-hmm. Pain is the way the body knows something is wrong, and pain initiates the healing processes in the body. And so, yeah, yes, we don't like to have pain, but on the other hand, uh, uh, pain is that way, and we... We live in a world where people shudder from pain, and of course, I I don't like pain, and I don't want anybody to have pain. But pain and uh, uh, is part of what's built in to initiate healing, and mm-hmm. so th- these things are very important for the people to learn about. And they need to know these things before they make a life and death decision. The law 
getting back to the uh, uh, the brain uh, part of the law, the law says irreversible cessation of all functions of the entire brain, including the brainstem, and and those sound like very strong words. To just go to the last part first. How can you have the entire brain and not include the brainstem? The brainstem is part of it. Why did they do that? They did that to get us to focus on the brainstem as if the brainstem is more important than the brain, when in fact the brainstem is part of the brain. It's part of the trick of what they have done with this law. Uh, cessation of all functions of the entire brain, it says in the law, yet already in, in 1981, when they uh, uh, began to publish what's now known as the Uniform Determination of Death Act, in their own writings, they write that it's primarily a clinical evaluation that's at the bedside, and the the criteria that is by that by which they uh, make their judgment are those that are considered to be relevant it doesn't say all of them it's those that are relevant and you uh, uh, correctly mentioned that there's only about six of the brain of the 14 brainstem reflexes that they considered to be relevant and that's only about the brain and they consider all the other things like beating heart circulation respiration as not being relevant yeah so you know dr bird i'm looking at the uh wikipedia here and under section one for the um uh this is the uniform determination of death act determination of death an individual who has sustained either number one irreversible cessation of circulatory and respiratory functions or two irreversible cessation of all functions of the entire brain including the brainstem is dead a determination of death must be made in accordance with accepted medical standards now that's all nonsense it can't be one or the other it's both you know right it can't be one so you see in the law and then um just so you know how that law came about. The second part of it is what they uh, wanted and how how they uh, they did it. Remember that that they uh, they cut the beating heart out of a three day old baby in a hospital, uh, a well known hospital uh, in Brooklyn, New York, and transplanted it into an eighteen uh, uh, day old uh, baby. Uh, at, at, at that time, and and uh, and so that, that that came out of first the American Bar Association definition of death, and then what was known as the Uniform Brain Death Act. Both of them focused on just the brain, and this was focused on just the brain. And then I guess they realized that if it focuses on the brain. You have to have a neurologist to declare you dead, and you have to be in a hospital to declare you dead, uh, or at least in an emergency room. And then it seems like they almost that they realized, oh gosh, we have to have another way to pronounce people dead, 
even though the other way existed all the time, and you really didn't need this other way called brain death, unless you wanted to get organs for transplantation. And 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 so and then you you know, you are uh, you read the law uh, as you did, and you get get down to the accepted medical standards. And the uh, uh, when I started to study this subject early on, uh, between 1968 and 1978, there were 30 different sets of criteria, any one of which could have been used as the standard, and and those still exist as possibilities, uh, and and yet they push other things. And you see, it it gets that way because of accepted medical standards, and and uh, and accepted medical standards are the weakest of all standards. And when we come back, I will continue with that. Yeah, thank you. We'll we'll be uh, on the other side of the hour here. Thank you. Network. 